0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Story Worth Sharing podcast. I am your host, Chris Shepard, and I'm here with my renowned co-host. It is Emmy Rodriguez. Yeah, what's up, fam? <laughs> How's it going? You listened to our last episode, you know we talked about this. We we want you to help us come up with a name for you, for our listeners, for our family. And we haven't gotten any good suggestions yet. Not Not saying that all the suggestions were bad. We just yeah. haven't gotten any that are like, oh my gosh, this is... This is what we need yeah, to do. Yeah, we'll,
1: we'll know when we know, you know? Yeah.
0: So uh, please keep those suggestions coming. You can find us on Instagram. Shoot us a DM. Pitch a name. And we will totally give you a shout out. If you help yeah. us come up with a name for our listener family, we will. Yeah,
1: you'll get the credit. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, absolutely. We Don't may worry. even bring
0: you on as a guest. It depends on how interesting we think your story is. But we may bring... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Everybody, Emmy, everybody the has a story.
1: opposite of what this is all about.
0: Yes, everybody has a story worth sharing. So, <laughs> Emmy... How are you doing?
1: I'm good. You know what I've been thinking about a lot <laughs> like,
0: No, I do not know <laughs> what you've been thinking about a lot.
1: Okay, so I I like change. Like change, you know some people are like, I don't like change. Yeah, I'm for it. Okay. I like new experiences. I like to hear. I like to be challenged. Yeah. But I read something the other day that kind of is not my favorite thing. So Kellogg's okay. is deciding to give Froot Loops, not a new mascot, but they're definitely changing how Toucan Sam looks. I saw this. Did you see yes. it? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. Not that change is bad. I'm just disappointed because it's not the same. Right. He's been around since, what, This I don't know, 60s maybe?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's iconic. And, and it, it looks a lot different. I
1: have a picture. Y'all can't see it. I'll share it later. But yeah. do we, this who is this? Yeah. <laughs> it's I, just not him.
0: I actually saw the other day where, you know, because businesses do this, you know, like they redo their logo or they do their, redo their branding. They keep their yeah. name, etc. But I saw somebody put the old Toucan Sam <laughs> and the new Toucan Sam next to each other. And they were like, I've never been more disappointed yeah. in one of those. But you can't updates. see it. I'm just
1: going to give a brief description. For one, my first thing was, it kind of reminded me of like an anime thing. I just, cause of the eyes. Yeah. I think that's what got me. But his beak is like tie-dye and he's more of a turquoise color now. Anyway, I don't know. It's it's not my favorite thing. If I see this on a box in the store, I might not buy Fruit Loops anymore.
0: Wow. So it's like
1: I don't it, buy Fruit Loops
0: anyway. It has that much of a visceral effect on you. It's like, "No, me. I'm not I'm not going to buy it." It's just You're like, taking a stand, Emmy. You're saying, "I'm not classic,
1: buying." It's I just sometimes like them to stay that yeah. way. But, you know, good for them for trying something new. I, I'll i give them a little. Support. You are
0: such an encourager. You're like, I'm not buying fruitless hey, anymore. That's
1: what I was called to do. But I'm just good saying. for
0: you for, for trying I'm something new.
1: Encourage, call them to something greater, you know? Yeah. This isn't it, but good job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As you were talking about uh, having a need for change, or not need, but that you like change or whatever, yeah. some people would say I have a compulsive need for change. Like, I yeah. constantly am changing things up and, I can and switching see that. things up. Yeah.
1: It's so, not bad. Well, it It's not can always be. bad. It
0: can be bad. Sometimes
1: it's good to stay where we are for a little bit. Sometimes, yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: It, it can be unhealthy. But <laughs> I, I'm actually curious how our guest feels about that exact idea today. And so we're just going to go ahead and welcome him on. Today's guest, I am really excited and honored to be even just sitting in the same room uh, and as today's guest. Yeah, exactly. No pressure. No pressure. But this <laughs> oh, is man. one of my best friend's. Uh, Phil Rich. So welcome to the Story We're Sharing podcast.
2: Thanks. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here.
0: So, okay, before we like jump in, I want to hear more about you. And obviously, we're going to tell your story. But uh, just in response to this idea of change, you have seen the picture of the new Toucan Sam, but just change in general, whether it's that or or something else. What's your philosophy on change?
2: So I actually love it as well. Um, I was was notoriously known for in my prior job than what I'm doing now, whenever I worked at a summer camp for always changing my office like they would come in and my desk would be in a different spot <laughs> and so no matter no matter how much square footage you give me I'm gonna find 10 different ways yeah. to set it up um, and sometimes I'll just change it just because I want to try something I different and it doesn't mean that I think that it had to be changed but I'm like why not Let's yeah. just see what this would look like it, and how it feels. It's
0: funny cuz you posted on Instagram a couple of weeks ago that you were like cleaning the living room so you pushed all the furniture back in your living room like the couch yep. against the wall yep. or in front of the window or whatever and then
2: your daughter walks in and you're like she's like daddy is or is this how we're going to leave this? Yeah. <laughs> it it was a little concerning. Uh, <laughs> she's like, I like this. Um, but the but literally the couch is blocking the walkway to the stairs. And uh, she's like, I like this. She wanted to crawl and over, over go, the couch. okay. But you know oh, what? Yeah.
0: It's because you have prepared her yes. for this constant yes. change. We change things. all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. absolutely. Our
2: living room has looked different three times in the past two months. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think quarantine will do that yes. to a lot yeah, of people. Yes. Yeah. It's like, what are we going to do today? change
0: the living room. Let's (laughs) rearrange. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Okay, so Phil, tell us just a little bit about you, your Instagram bio, this is who I am, and then we'll kind of jump into the long form of your story.
2: Yeah, so uh, I I currently live in College Station. I work as the executive director of Impact, and um, Impact is a ministry that serves college students, and really we're a retreat-based ministry. Um, that is set up to champion the church, and that's what we believe in. So um, that's what I get to do with my professional life, if you call it. Um, I'm also married for almost 14 years now wow. and um, have three kids, so uh, ages 10, 7, and 3.
0: Nice. I love that. I, I am glad that you – I mean, obviously, I knew you are going to bring up Impact because you're the executive director. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad that you kind of gave a definition because I – even struggle sometimes to tell people exactly what impact is because, and you're, I have have said this to you before and you don't love it when people describe impact like this. So often it's easy to say, if you're familiar with A&M, they have this tradition called fish camp. It's huge. And thousands upon thousands of students will go to like 13 different sessions um, of fish camp. (laughs) And it's kind of a, a freshman orientation of sorts to open up the world of our, all of our traditions and history. And, and it's, it's, pretty iconic here as part of the Aggie culture. And so the easiest way to describe, although not the most accurate, the easiest way to describe impact is that it's like a Christian version of Fish Camp, which is not really a true statement in the broad scheme of things, but that's just the easiest way mm-hmm. often to describe what impact is. Tell me a little bit more. So you say that you are a ministry that yeah. really exists to champion the local church. Unpack impact a little bit more for people who are listening that aren't familiar.
2: Yeah, for sure. So uh, so I, as you mentioned, I often describe it as, um, you know, two people can have the same bones in their body, but can look very different. Yes. And so I say that's how we are with Fish Camp. Both serve great purposes, but um, impact, its its look and its mission is just really different. And so, so structurally, we have 656 students who volunteer wow. um, to to pull this off. And so, it's it's incredible. It's me and 656 college students, um, and I love it, man. We would not we would not exist if it wasn't for our volunteers. And so, um, they work all year long, um, really pushing towards this event that happens in August, which is a retreat for incoming students, and really, it is about introducing them to godly community. And so we get to show them this picture of it during their first semester. And so our retreat is really like an opening ceremonies of sorts. It's a way for them to come in and just see that this is what God has in this place for them. So they're going to transition into this new chapter that is going to be wildly new and different for them. But whenever they show up to retreat, they're going to meet people that are walking the same road that they're on, that are maybe a couple steps ahead of them, They get to be community for them in their first semester, but ultimately launch them into the church because our heart is the church. We want them to be connected and belonging to a church in College Station or Brian whenever they're here. So
0: I love that. That's awesome. I, I'm sure impact will come up a few more times in today's probably. conversation. Yeah, conversation probably. But when you kind of look back on some pivotal circumstances, these moments, these iconic moments that maybe at the time you didn't realize were so impactful, sometimes you probably did, but sometimes I think we look back and it's a conversation or it's a nudge in a certain direction that Mm -hmm. we're like, man, I wouldn't be sitting here today if it weren't for this moment. What are some of those moments in your life as you kind of look back on the journey of getting to who God has made you to be and brought you Mm -hmm. to be in this moment what are some of those things that you look back and you're like, man, these are those iconic?
2: Yeah. Uh, so the first one, it really is like, I, I would not be where I am now if it was not for this moment. And so um, it was my freshman year of college and I was sitting in our student center at A&M. I, I went to A&M and I was sitting there and now, this was pre-cell phone days, so I wasn't scrolling on my phone or anything. That oh, makes man. me that makes me sound really <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah, you're dating yourself. I'm not that old. Okay. Technology just came along really fast. But I was sitting there reading or or something and these two guys came up to me, college students came up to me and they said, Hey, can we ask you a few questions? And I said, Sure. So they said, Hey, are you a Christian? And I said, Yeah. And uh and then they said, Well, how sure are you? Which I thought was kind of a funny question. But I said, <laughs> Did Pretty-... I not sound sure? I know. When I, said that? <laughs> I said, Yeah, I said I'm pretty sure, yes. um, which I laughed that that was my response that I said, pretty sure. And then they said, well, so if you were to die today and go to heaven, you know, what would you say that would give you access to heaven? How would you go and get into heaven? And, uh, and I just said, well, thank y'all for talking, but, um, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And I just ended the conversation. Wow. They said, well, can we keep talking to you? Can we share some more things with you? And, and I just didn't, I didn't want to talk anymore. One, because I was, I was really insecure that I mm. couldn't answer that question for them. And I was uncomfortable, so I asked them to leave. And these two guys, then super kind and and respectful, said, okay, and well, can we leave you some like papers or material or something? And I said no to that even. Wow. And they left, and I'm sure super defeated, because in their mind, success was, Mm -hmm. we get to have these conversations with people and share and evangelize on campus. What they don't know is that what God did in that moment was he said, Phil, if you can't answer those questions, then maybe you're not a Christian. Mm. Maybe you don't know what you think you know. And so it kind of sent me on this journey of, well, maybe I need to figure out the answer to these questions. And so through attending things like Breakaway whenever I was in college and having other key friends who built a relationship with me that I couldn't dismiss as easily as strangers, they started asking me questions. And that just sent me in a direction that, you know, come my junior year of college, I was sitting at a Breakaway and accepted Christ and started my relationship with him and now I'm in a job that is all about yeah. Jesus and the church. Wow. And so um so that was a that was a really pivotal moment. Did you ever see those two guys again? No. And I don't know how heaven's gonna work. I'm yeah. interested <laughs> to see if like you're gonna have this big movie moment the where like the curtain comes back and like <laughs> I get to go up and say, Hey guys, remember me? Yeah. Cause I'm sure to them. They thought unsuccessful. You know, like that's probably how they read that moment. Because I think we celebrate evangelical moments as transformation that we see. Mm -hmm. But they saw nothing of that, you know, and and their obedience, though, to like come up to me and speak made the biggest difference. Yeah. Wow. That is
0: so profound and encouraging that we have no idea the impact of our actions and those little conversations and micro moments that happen and I'm remembered. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded, not remembered. I'm reminded of the parable of the seed and the sower and that sometimes we won't be the one that reaps the harvest. Someone else Mm -hmm. will come in later and reap the harvest. But the joy is the same for both the sower and the reaper. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's just so important for us to continue. That that's crazy. And I love the fact that you started there with this random, and it wasn't random, but it seemed like such a random conversation that God used as such a pivotal moment. What are some other moments that have have gotten you to this
2: place? Yeah, so I have two other things that really stand out. One is I was was at an airport leaving to go on a mission trip. I was going to be traveling to Chile, which is we were going to um, the city of Port Williams, which is the island off the tip of South America, so about as south as you can go in the world. And uh, we found out that our plane was going to be delayed like four hours, which meant that we were not going to make our connecting flight, which meant we were not going to make the barge that comes oh, once a week oh, to take gosh. you to the island. Once a week. So wow. uh, so we were we were pretty defeated. You know, I called my mom first and I got a, a pretty classic mom concern and, oh no, what's going to happen? What are you mm-hmm. going to do? And I just told her, I don't know. And for some reason in that moment, I thought to call my friend, um, whose name is Jean Marie. And the month before we had been on a mission trip together in Peru, which you'll probably hear about another point. leaving that trip, she said, well, hey, I will tell my Bible study to be praying for your trip next month to Chile. And uh, I said, great. Well, in that moment, for some reason, God said, well, call Jean Marie and tell her about this so her Bible study can pray for this. So it's like 11 o'clock at night. And I call her, she answers the phone, and I... What I don't get is the concern, worry, fear <laughs> yeah. side. What I get is this girl who just reminds me of God's plan and design. Mm. And she just starts speaking these like truths in a moment where um this friend of mine who's just saying, Hey, God obviously has a plan for this, and even though you see it as cancelled, like he has design yeah. still in store. Yeah. And what was wild was in that moment, I hung up the phone and I was sitting at this airport and I and I out loud said, which this is hard. People don't always believe this, but I out loud said, this is the girl I'm going to marry. Oh, and yeah. and I I was like, I don't know how this is going to happen. She lives in Arkansas. I live in Texas. Uh, She's finishing up her last semester of college and just over the next few months, what started in this moment of feeling this, which I know those feelings aren't always manifested, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, but I was like, I'm going to lean into this. Like, this is where I feel like God is leading me. So I'm going to lean into this. And um, I just started calling her a lot and we started building a relationship. And months later, she ended up moving to Texas and here we are married. 14 years later with three kids. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. You,
0: (laughs) that's so crazy that you hang up a phone call of her encouraging you right Mm -hmm. in this moment of like kind of despair and oh my gosh, all all of these plans are falling through and things aren't working out how I thought they were going to. And, and yet in the midst of that God just redeems that moment and redeems that situation yeah. and he's like look at what I want to do yeah. and then the ripple effect in the story that has been written over the last 15 years because of that phone conversation that's yeah. that's powerful i love that yeah.
2: and i think it just showed me that like that's what what i should be looking for like that's what that's what i realized god uh, showed me was missing was you need to find a girl that's pointing you to Jesus. Yeah. Like she's reminding you that that's the most important thing. Yeah. And, and that's what just triggered it for me. That's what showed me this. That's awesome. Okay. You said you yeah. had two more things. So yeah. That. So, so the last one is, uh, you know, my wife and I had been married for about seven years and, um, at this point, we had two kids. We had been uh, working at TBRM full-time for, for seven years, and we had gotten to this point where we felt like change was coming, and we didn't know what that was going to be. It was a little unsettling to, to consider, but we felt like change was coming, and we felt like it was going to be big. And my last summer at TBRM, I got a text message from a really close friend of mine who he said, hey, you should move to College Station and live here with me. Breakaway is hiring for a position. I was in the middle of summer loving camp life, you know, as a camp director. And I just kind of laughed at his text and dismissed it. But within the next few weeks, God started to really speak the sentence of like, you need to submit a resume. Like he just was like, you need to give them a resume. And that was challenging for me because the job didn't really speak to me. Okay. Um, It was exciting that it was Breakaway, because as I mentioned, I became a believer at Breakaway. So Mm -hmm. thinking about working for them would be incredible. But the job design itself, I was like, I don't know if this is really the right job for me. But it was pretty clear God was saying, give them a resume. So reluctantly, I submitted a resume, which was really difficult to do. And then I didn't hear anything back. And about a week or two went by and I was just waiting and I was living in this place where I felt like I had a foot in two spots. Like, yeah. what if I leave? What if I stay? Yeah. And, uh, and I was at a bookstore and I ended up just having this moment of prayer and I said, God, I feel like I'm living in a pretty divided spot right now. I need to just be fully committed back at TBRM because I feel like I'm, I'm not serving it mm, interesting. well right now. Yeah. Um, so when I leave this bookstore, I'm gonna move on from this idea of moving to College Station and and working for them. And within five minutes, uh, while I was still in the bookstore, my phone rang. While you're still in the bookstore. while I'm still in so the you're bookstore. like when I leave, I'm gonna be yeah, all in leave, on yeah. T And God's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, okay, fine. Now <laughs> I, I, I didn't I didn't hang out in the bookstore for three hours. Right, you know, I, I was there an appropriate amount of time. And uh, within five minutes of kind of ending that prayer and conversation with God, uh, my phone rang and it was Ben Stewart, who Mm -hmm. was the director of Breakaway at the time. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, we got your resume. We think we know who we're going to hire for that other job, um, but I wanted to kind of put something else in front of you. Have you ever heard of a ministry called Impact? What I didn't know was that at the time, Impact had kind of been adopted. By Breakaway and was transitioning to this place of trying to be a standalone organization and a yeah. nonprofit, and and they didn't have any adult supervision. They they had kind of come into Breakaway, but Breakaway realized this is a big operation that's yeah. doing really incredible things, and these students need help and and guidance. And so um, we see that you have done a lot of camp ministry. Would you be interested in applying for this? Well, I knew what Impact was. Right. You know, yeah. I, I went to A and M, and I had students who worked for me at TBRM who who went there, so I was immediately in. Yeah. I was like, this is why I was supposed to it's submit crazy. this resume. So, awesome. wow. um, so yeah, I, I came and interviewed and have been here now for seven years.
0: Wow, that's so awesome. And I think that it's interesting that in each of the stories you just told, there's like a person attached to those mm-hmm. and how God uses people in our life to help us walk through these different moments. It was the two strangers in the MSC. It was Jean Marie in the airport really. I mean it was on the phone, but essentially <laughs> yeah. sitting in the airport. And then it was this friend that lives in college station who he was just like, Man, I want my buddy Phil to come move back to college station, right? So yeah. it, it was probably a little bit of selfish motive as far as he was concerned. And and even what he was pitching to you wasn't what God had in store as far as working for mm-hmm. breakaway, but God used that person to make such an impact and, and to point you in that right direction. And so who are some of those other people, and and maybe it's those people as well, but who are some of those people that have had not just a singular moment, but have had like a continued impact on your story and your journey Mm -hmm. that have have played such a key role?
2: Yeah. Well, I'll touch on this uh, quickly because you just mentioned it, but my my friend who lived here in college at the time, his name is Matt, and um, he was actually my roommate in college. Okay. And so um, the first time I met him though was I was his group leader for a student organization when he was a freshman. Oh wow. And so I was a sophomore, he was a freshman and he was that person that I described earlier who I said built a relationship with me but I couldn't dismiss as a stranger. Yeah. And so I remember sitting in his dorm room and I remember having conversations with him and this was in the era of inflatable furniture if y'all remember that. And <laughs> so yeah, you probably don't know. I did
1: not have any. I know what you're talking about, but it was yeah. not around for-
2: So I remember he had an inflatable like couch uh, like in his in his dorm room and I remember uncomfortably sitting on the plastic (laughs) and kind of moving as he asked me questions about what I thought about God and who I who I believed him to be and what do I think about, you know, like my design and am I broken? And and it was uncomfortable, but I couldn't leave it. Like I couldn't just tell him I don't want to talk. Um, so he was really pivotal in, in pointing me to Jesus. So he was definitely, um, one of those big relationships. But I think one of the other ones I think about, which just has been with me now for such a long time in my life is, is, um, I mentioned Peru earlier and, and there's these two guys that are, that are now such a huge part of my life. Um, their names are Brian and Anthony. They basically have become like sons of mine. So, um, backtracking, my my first trip to Peru was in 2005, and um, and I met Anthony. He was like a 15 year old kid, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and we sang a song or two together um, at these little camp gatherings, and um, but that was about it. We didn't have much conversation. I mean, I can't speak Spanish, so it's kind of done in small through translation, but. Um, That was it. And then my next time back to Peru was four years later. So it was this huge gap of time that had gone by. Well, on that trip in 2009, I met a guy named Brian. And Brian um, was about 16 years old and pretty quickly started calling me Papa. like I became like a dad type role yeah. to him. And we became really close. I started learning about his family. I learned that um, his dad was pretty much out of the picture, that his mom was amazing, that his um, brother was someone who he didn't have a close relationship with and who was not a Christian. And so through a really wild circumstance, we ended up out on the streets near his house and... And he pointed across the street and said, that's my house. Well, I look in front of his house and I see this guy standing in front of his house. And I said, Brian, I think I know that guy that's standing in front of your house is his name, Anthony, who I had met four years earlier. Yeah. And he said, yeah, that's my brother what? who I told you oh about. My gosh. And, uh, and so I said, your brother, like the one you've been telling me about. And, uh, I said, well, can I go talk to him? Like, I want to go up and, and introduce myself again to him and see if he remembers me and yeah. you know make that connection. So he's like, yeah, go ahead. So uh, I grab one of our translators. I go talk with him. We have about a five minute conversation. It's very centered on how much he appreciates his brother and how he is not a Christian. Mm -hmm. Like it's really brief. And then he says, I have to go to work. So he leaves and I think that is weird. Why would I have this moment with him? And Does uh, he remember you from he, he did. Yes. Okay, Thankfully, yeah. I'm glad I, I said, do you remember me? And he said, yeah, I remember you. And uh, <laughs> but it was pretty stoic. Like yeah. it was not much mm-hmm. of a like warm embrace. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, and so that trip is over. Like we were on our last day and we go home and I think that is wild. Well, I'm going back to Peru three months later. So I go back in March of the same year. Um, for another mission trip. And I just have it on my heart. I have to find Anthony. Like I I need to see him. And the whole trip is going by and no opportunities are presenting themselves. And so finally on the last day, I just grab one of our translators and say, we're going to go look for him. Like we're going to go to his house. We're going to see if we can track him down. Now, the city that we're in is like 400,000 people. So (laughs) the odds of this are pretty low. Like that's casual, you know, and I, and and I know where his house is, Um, but that's it. So we go to his house, we get out of our motor car that that got us there, and we see another guy who we're familiar with, and we ask him, like, do you know where Anthony is? And he points across the street and says, he's right there getting out of a motor car. So we walk up (laughs) to Anthony and ask him if we could take him to lunch, and man, we end up sitting at lunch and and getting to just lay the gospel out for him, hear his story, and understand where he was coming from, and, and we get to present this picture of Jesus to him. And I said, you know, do you want to, do you want this? Do you want to start a relationship with Jesus? And, and he says, yeah. So at lunch, like we say this prayer through a translator that, that he repeats and has this moment of just remembering this, this time and, but also still pretty stoic. Like he, he there's not a lot of like life and animation in this moment for him. And then he says, I got to go back to work. <laughs> And he leaves and it's our last day again. So we leave again. And I was like, that's wild. Like, yeah. did that really happen? Yeah. You kind of question this moment. And, and now I'm going back to Peru again, nine months later. And I have this moment where I am in the church and Anthony walks in. As he walks up to me, he says, Papa, like super animated oh, and gives me this big hug. And, um, and you can tell that there is definite change that has taken place in his life. And you can tell that he is like, full of the spirit and just on fire and and involved in the church. And it was incredible. And and so we just get to spend a lot of time together on that trip. And all of our conversations are through a translator. And he says, next time you come back with a translator, next time you come back, I will know English because I do not want to talk through a translator anymore. And I'm like, okay, yeah, right. (laughs) And I go back a year later and he walks up to me and he says, hello, Father, I have learned English. Now we can speak to one another. Oh (laughs) my goodness. So he completely was fluent now in English. And so That was a little brief look at the first like four trips, and now I've been. 16 times, I believe, and have spent a lot of time with these two guys and been involved in their lives and seen them grow and develop. One of my trips was to go for Anthony's wedding. So it's just been an incredible journey of seeing how God can work in lives. I mean, I have the country of Peru tattooed on my arm. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, and, and, and it's kind of with this verse reference of Ephesians 3.20 that talks about like to him who could do abundantly more mm-hmm. than anything we could ask or imagine according to the power at work within us. And so I think I just learned that Um, that God is at work within us and there's a power that is going to be so much more than what we can imagine. And so we need to press into that. We need to be willing to like lean into those moments.
0: Wow. That's unbelievable. I mean, I believe you, (laughs) but it's just (laughs) crazy to see how over the course of months and even years, God just providentially keeps bringing you back into people's lives and bringing them back into your life. (laughs) This is super random, but at any point, so Anthony, Goes out of his way and learns how to speak English. Is there any point where you felt guilty and you're like, maybe I should learn how to speak Spanish?
2: Uh, well, I, when he told me next time you come back I will learn English, I said, well next time I come back I will know Spanish. <laughs> and all it took was one of us yeah. doing yeah, our part.
1: Yeah. One of you. Uh, <laughs> to hold up your
2: so, so he kept his end of the bargain, which I'm glad because I just looked at him and said, well I do not know Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so I am glad you know English.
0: Uh, man, oh man, no. that's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. You you talk about Brian and Anthony. Who are some other people that just stick out to you? Uh, not that you can top that. That's incredible. But who are some other um, people?
2: Yeah. One of the other ones, which is really key, and it kind of taught me a lot as well, was while I was at my years at T-bar-M, um, I had a mentor in my life for about seven years who I got to walk really closely with on a weekly sort of discipleship basis. and And it was so much so that like every week we went to the same Mexican food restaurant. I knew his order. You know, we both always got half and half tea, you know, and we knew the waitress and they just knew our table where we always sat at every That's Thursday awesome. and and really just talked life and and celebrated moments, talked through difficulties, learned and grew a lot together. But what was interesting was after about six, seven years of that, us like something started to change and I started noticing that there were some decisions that he was making that i didn't know if they matched scripture anymore and his theology started to change and then some choices that he was making in life were things that i didn't think were biblical and it was mm-hmm. and it was difficult because i was conflicted in this moment of here's a guy who i admire and look right. up to um, who has been investing in, in me you know 10 15 years older than me who i should trust in all their decisions. And I don't know if I can now. And it was this really interesting growth moment of like, how am I upholding man, you know? And, and what do I see that, that matches scripture or not? Like, am I always asking that question with everybody I interact with? And there was a lot of, of pain and hurt that kind of went through that process of us kind of parting ways and, and kind of moving on from our relationship. But what's interesting is I, I look back and, and I think, there are so many things about that relationship that continue to shape me now that define who I am as a person. So I give incredible credit to the seven years of walking with him because what I've learned was God was in those moments. Like it doesn't yeah. discredit the fact that God worked in those. And I think our tendency is whenever people fail us, we just can like scrap it all mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, and throw it all out. But I go, wait a minute, like even though there are things that are different about him now that I don't know if I can trust or depend on, I can look back on those years and say God was in it. Like God was absolutely in it. And I still sit in conversations with guys now that I disciple. I think this is what he taught me. You know, this is, but what I, what I have learned is it wasn't him. It was the spirit in him. Mm. And so I can give so much credit to the God that was at work within a person um, that has really shaped who I am now. But it gave me a lot of freedom to see him as human you know, Uh and, and not pedestal people. And so now whenever I walk into relationships with people, one, I'm okay knowing that it might be a chapter or a season because I look at him and if my life is a book, you know, he was in seven or eight years of my story in really powerful ways and that it's okay that our relationship is not as close as it was. But um, I, I can forgive like really mm. easily now, and I can not hold him up because I see him just as broken. Yeah, and I see him just as much of an of an instrument that was used incredibly at that season in my life.
0: That wow, that's so cool because I think that you really came to this moment where you had a choice to make. You could have let that kind of push you away and and create this like bitterness or resentment towards him and even towards God. Yeah. If he played yeah. that role in your life where yeah. you viewed a lot of things about God through the lens of him yeah. and, and the things that he had spoken into your life. And so you came to this moment where you really had a decision to make on which way you were going to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I sit here grateful that you chose the path that you did and that God did the things in, in your heart that he did because you are one of those people for me that speak into my life and that challenged me and encouraged me and, and had had his uh, issues isn't the right word, but had his change affected you differently maybe Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be sitting here today having that conversation so Mm -hmm. i'm grateful for that but i I just think it's super interesting you kind of had that choice to make and just seeing what god did in your heart through through that transition
1: yeah i think that's really cool and just hearing like that was like i feel like a learning process like i know for me i think it would have been really easy kind of you said it being discouraged after the first couple of times of not seeing anything but i think you learned a lot from that what other things have you learned through those people, through those circumstances that God just taught you and pressed on your heart.
2: Yeah. So that, yeah, that, and I'll kind of just expanding on that a little bit. I, I think that one of the biggest things I learned from that relationship was seek God, seek counsel, seek God Mm, was, um, I I need to be pursuing who God is first and looking at what he has to say in the word in his word. Um, and then I'm going to seek counsel because God can speak through people as well, but then I have to take what those people say and match it back against scripture, so good. and make sure that what yeah. they are giving me is sound advice. Because you know, I I love relationships, and so I can just like soak up a bunch of advice from people. But I have to make sure that I'm taking all that advice back um, yeah. to God's word. That's so, good. so that's definitely one um, one really. Big thing. Another one is, man, I, this one, it, it, gosh, this, this was so huge um, of a lesson for me. But I, this last June, I had the opportunity to go to Israel. And while I was there, uh, we had a guide. His name was Brian. While on this trip, he had us all with backpacks and the like camelback, you know, like thing that you carry around, like two gallons of water in your backpack everywhere you go. And he said, it's going to be hot. Every single day. Um, we are here in their hottest months, so you need to keep drinking. Like he said that to us all the time. Like anytime we're walking somewhere, just have that little hose like in your yeah, mouth yeah. and be sipping on it all day. And so this kind of joke developed on the trip where you just got used to hearing keep drinking, keep drinking um, every single day. There were days that we were in the desert um, of Moktes which is like wildly hot, super Sparse, nothing around, and that's really all you have with you is your water. So you know you're walking, and he just will say, "Keep drinking," and it'll get passed down the line of the like 50 of us on the trip, and and you just got used to hearing that. Keep drinking, keep drinking, keep drinking. And on our last day, we're sitting um, on the southern steps in Jerusalem, and he's kind of wrapping up everything that we had talked about for the last like 11, 12 days, and he just gets to this really sincere moment, and he says, "Everything that you do." continue to pursue God, continue to seek him out. And he just paused for this moment. And like with tears in his eyes, he looked up at us and he said, keep drinking. Mm. And like, I just started bawling because I didn't realize that he had this lesson for me that he was saying every single day that translated to this idea of like, I need to continue to keep drinking every single day Mm. and like pursue God every single day and wake up with a thirst for it every single day. Um, so that that's a that was a huge lesson to me.
0: That's so awesome. And it, this is just a little side note: As you began to tell that story, and you were talking about Camelback, right, and mm-hmm. and I have one of those, yeah. and I was sitting here thinking, I was like picturing you and fifty other people, like walking yeah. around with these <laughs> hoses in their mouth, right, the little little spigot, so you can suck on it and get water out. And I'm like, man, I bet that looked pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Everybody just yeah. kind of looked silly walking around with these hoses in their mouth. But then I started thinking, as you were unpacking that story, it's like there are some times where we need to do some things that look ridiculous Mm -hmm. and we need to be willing to continue to invest in that rhythm, even though to the casual person standing next to us may look completely ridiculous because of the payoff and and ultimately, you know, the lesson that you learned, but it's like, yeah, sometimes we're going to have to do some things that to other people look silly or ridiculous and and yet it's still worth it. Yeah. So what else, what what other lessons? Uh,
2: I think, One of the other ones that comes to mind, I mentioned, um, I mentioned Matt earlier, who was my roommate in college and, uh, we lived together our last two years. And it was, it was an interesting moment where we were at our apartment and I had done something to offend him. So imagine that, you know, I like, (laughs) you know, I made him mad, uh, which roommates never face. Right. And I found myself in that moment, really trying to justify my decision, my, my choices, Uh, and I was trying to explain to him, well, here's why. And I didn't mean it that way. And and I just kind of was rambling on about how I really wasn't wrong, um, that I, that I had (laughs) really, really good intentions. (laughs) Um, and I didn't mean to offend him or, or hurt his feelings or whatever. And he just looked at me in this moment. I remember so vividly standing in our hallway and he said, it doesn't matter that that's what your intent was. That is how it impacted me. Wow. And, and I think like what that moment did was it really taught me this lesson of intent versus impact. Mm. And it has continued to shape so much of my life. I mean, I'm married. <laughs> I was about to say, thank
0: you, Matt, <laughs> for know, teaching yes, fill yeah, that yeah, lesson in college yeah. so yes. that Jean Marie yes. didn't Everyone have to teach you that notes. lesson <laughs> later on. Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
2: Uh, it doesn't matter how good my intentions yep. may be. I am going sometimes impact my wife negatively with Absolutely. my words and my actions. And so I need to be okay, like listening to that and receiving that. Um, and so that has affected the way that I work with students and disciple that affects the way that I try to teach them lessons um, whenever they make choices that they think were completely good intentioned and, uh, yeah. and that they're not. And so I have to say, let's think about how this has impacted those people and give credit to that. So that's that's definitely another one that has really stood out.
0: Man, I'm glad you learned that lesson when you did because I think it would have not been, I mean, I'm sure it was still hard in that moment, but sitting here as someone who has been married for almost 11 years now and have kids, it's like, yeah, I'm glad that you learned that lesson with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's cool because those those lessons, those things in our life have an, a, an impact beyond just that moment, right? When we learn something and and those are things that play out in the future in other relationships or other circumstances or situations. Yeah. So I think that that's that's super cool. Okay, so you have these lessons that you've learned and and even other lessons that you've mentioned earlier like learning how to forgive and and not putting people on a pedestal and learning intent versus impact and all these different things. What are some some habits, some disciplines, some practices that you've put into your life? that help you like live this stuff out, these are not easy things to do, right? These are yeah. like big life lessons. And I'm sure a lot of other things, focusing on your relationship with God, going all the way back to the conversation you had in the MSC with those two guys and, and having yeah. confidence and, and knowing and and being able to share that with other people. Like, what are the things that you put on the top of the list? And it's like, these are the things I need to focus on personally to continue to evolve and grow and mature into the person that God has called me to be.
2: Yeah. Well, other than what I mentioned with this idea of keep drinking every day, I mean that is something that has stuck with me. <laughs> if, um, if somebody
0: yeah. jumped into the podcast right yeah. there, just keep drinking just every day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about water, people. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, but no, true. but yeah, the idea of just continuing yeah. to do these things, repetitive things, over and over. Yeah.
2: One of the other ones that has really stuck with me is is really just this idea of community and the people that I put around me. And so uh, it was a few years ago um, that I was actually in a devotional time where somebody else was leading it and they were walking through um, Acts chapter four. And it got to this point where um, this is a story of, of Peter and John. And basically they're like basically laying out a defense mm-hmm. and, and it reaches this point in verse 13, which it, it says, this is talking about the people who were observing the um, Peter and John It said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, and man. I think that that last part, I don't remember what the person doing the devotional continued to say after that, because yeah. I just got stuck on this verse. Right. And in my brain, it's like God was saying like, who are those people that you recognize that they have been with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And those are the people that you need to be around. And so one of the things that I have really tried to adopt in my life is to keep putting people around me that I recognize they've been with Jesus. And I try to think about that in three different groups from people that I would view if you're kind of on a on a path, people that are ahead of me, people that are beside me, and people that are behind me. And so who are people that are walking in front of me that I can tell that they're running with Jesus. And so I want to follow them. Like I yeah, can see where so they're, they're going. Met. And there's a man right now in my life who I'm doing discipleship with. And it's incredible. He's the person who, you know, talk about this keep drinking idea. He He's a person who one time said, you know, I don't get into the word every day because I have to. I get into the word every day because I have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said that it, it's not out of obligation. It's out wow. of Life, like I would die without this, and so I'm like, This is a person I want to be around. Uh, Oh, and so I'm gonna follow the example that he is setting. And then, you know, I get people that are beside me, people like you, Chris, who like are walking in similar stages of life, who I can tell that they are also pursuing God with their life. And I want to see how they're also raising their kids that are really difficult and see how they are navigating marriage and um, doing ministry and different things. Um, But then at the same time, I want to look for some guys that I can disciple who are hungry for God, like they want it. And so, um, you know, there's a guy that I'm discipling right now. Who, um, I think the first sentence I heard out of his mouth um, was he said, in reference to going to college, it said, "What are you looking forward to about starting college?" and and he said, um, "I think I just want to learn what it looks like to live missionally while in college." And I thought, this is the kind of person <laughs> yeah. that I want to be investing yeah. in. Like they want to follow Jesus. Um, and so I think that that idea of just. Recognizing that people have been with Jesus and then putting myself next to those people has a big effect on me because it rubs off on me and I start to look like them and I start to sound like them, which ultimately I'm starting to look and sound like Jesus because of them.
1: That's good. I don't think you could ever be too young, too old to have that perspective. I think it's something you should take on as early as you possibly can. Yeah. So important.
0: So, how practically do you make sure that people would say that about you?
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do. um, Okay. So this is kind of a funny example, but I, I one time did a survey that was just for fun with this guy who was discipling me that I mentioned, you know, from years ago. And, and it was a very simple survey of ask people, what do they think are your top five priorities? And then what do they hear you talk about the most? And like, what do they see you do the most? And, getting that information back from both people who kind of know you in part, but also who know you really well um, is really revealing and it teaches you a lot about yourself. So one of my hearts is that like, I want to be sure that when I'm in conversations with people, I'm talking about the things of God, like that's what's coming out of me and that I am always keeping in check this moment where I want to start making it be about me. And so if I can ensure that what I'm sharing is of God, then I'm, I'm doing something yeah. right. But what that requires is that mm-hmm. I am with God. Mm-hmm. So personally, what that means is like I have to have practices that are growing and teaching me. And so I'm choosing areas of Scripture that I can be in, both that maybe are, are story and kind of history-based that just teach me about things that have happened with God, In the past that can shape me now, but some of it is like Romans, which is so much about just doctrine, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like I want to marry things into my life that can give me sides of that, um, that kind of keep me holistically viewing who God is. So I try to keep that as a regular pattern. And then I think there's just knowing yourself like I'm really affected by music. And so listening to worship songs and having artists that just the way they have translated scripture into song, like speaks to me. I love to sing. And so it's driving around in my car, you know, with worship as my primary form of music in front of me all the time. So, um, so that's another one for sure. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Okay. So I, while we have you here, I want to do a little segment. Uh, that okay. we that we like to do here and I didn't prep you for this um, but in just a second Emmy's going to kick it hard. off and we're going to we're going to ask you about some of your favorite things this is kind of quick fire so first thing oh, that gosh. comes to mind I know that a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are are not going to know all the answers to these questions and and you're a really interesting guy and I think they're they're going to be like <laughs> right. oh man I want to know this about <laughs> about Phil and so I am going to cue the music and then we're going to just jump right into this so Emmy are you ready yeah Okay, Phil, are you ready?
2: Mm-hmm. I guess.
1: It's, I guess. I like that. It's not hard. There's like I, walk, maybe 16 into this with, things. It's not with, hard. With, with confidence. Um,
0: so, okay. Cue the music and go.
1: Favorite animal. Oh, my goodness. I'm stumped <laughs> on the first one. Hope. Stumped on, on the so first easy. one. I'm not a big animal person.
2: Uh, okay, we know. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> I...
0: That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) If y'all can see him right now, he literally is at a loss for words. He's like, I don't know what to say.
1: I can't even Uh, come up with a fake answer.
0: I can't
2: even come up with a fake answer. Okay, so no animals. Yeah.
1: Not an animal guy. Okay, favorite vacation spot?
2: Oh, Colorado. Any place in particular? Uh, We went to Estes Park last year, and it was life-changing in the summer. I had no
1: idea.
2: I had no idea that Colorado in the summer was that amazing. There
1: you go. Yeah, I've never thought about it. Favorite hobby? Volleyball. Same. I was like, okay. That's a good answer.
2: I already said I love to sing, but man, I could play volleyball every day of my life.
1: I agree with that. I could do that. All right. Favorite game, like board game, card game?
2: Hmm. That's good. Okay. Game. So <laughs> this is tough because our our hall closet that is normally a laundry closet for people <laughs> is a game closet from floor All to right. ceiling. Um, so that's tough. I, um, I really... Really love strategy games like Carcassonne. I don't know if people have heard of that one, but that I one's a really good two or three person game. Okay. Um, that's a good one. But hey. my family, you know, we're we're card players too. Mm. So Quarkle, if you've ever heard of that one, amazing game, <laughs> great for young kids.
0: Wow, oh, good I, to know. I need to find that one. Write yeah. that one down. Yeah, if y'all don't know this about Phil, there are a couple of love, love languages for him. Uh, one would be games like this man loves games. 100%. Another one would be puzzles. 100%. Like you are all about jigsaw puzzles. So yes. um and like uh, uh, the other one which
2: um I don't want to spoil it. Go ahead Amy, keep going.
1: <laughs> okay, what's your favorite emoji or what do you use the most?
2: Oh, I think I I currently use the little guy with the glasses. The new one that's <laughs> like the black frame glasses because yeah. I feel I love like it's like that. the like high eyebrow like yeah. that's right. I you know love like that.
1: Yeah. Okay, what's your favorite color? Green. Favorite music artist?
2: Shane and Shane. Love
1: it. Nice. Favorite place to shop for clothes or where do you go? I don't
2: know why, but I could spend <laughs> hours in REI. And okay. I'm not even like a wild camper and advent- adventure person, but I could just walk around and look at all the things in that store cuz I just think it's so interesting to think about like where you could go <laughs> what in you life. Could do. <laughs> yeah. The adventure and places to be.
1: Okay, your favorite TV show?
2: hundred percent survivor. I knew it. I knew that's. what I was mean, coming. it is yeah. listed in my top five loves of my life. Yes, that's like so
0: funny. Yes, he has a buff. He I do is on Instagram every week talking about what's going Damn. on and who his favorites are and putting polls it's out true. there and yeah. yeah.
2: You bring it up in conversation, and an hour later, I will still you be talking. Yeah. <laughs> so we should probably move on. Yeah. Really. Okay.
1: Okay. Favorite movie.
2: Ooh, Shawshank Redemption.
1: Okay. <laughs> Favorite book.
2: Oh gosh. Okay. Um, well, I, I would two real fast. One, Mere Christianity by C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis. I've yeah. read it like three times because it just continues to teach me things. But my favorite fiction is Safely Home by Randy Alcorn. It's a really interesting story about these two guys that were roommates in college, and one of them moves back to his hometown in China and is facing like persecution, and his American roommate comes over and visits him and is like seeing that
1: world. Oh, wow. Um, favorite dance move? Are you doing TikToks right now? <laughs> okay, I'm not. I'm
2: not. I'm not doing that. Nope. I am not none you of that. You should be. I feel like if anyone would thrive on TikTok, it yeah, would be you. Yeah, people would love to so, see that. Uh, the students in impact. Many of them will know this about me, but the one song that gets me. For our dance parties is lip gloss, and uh, yes. there's not really a dance move except for right. it's like crisscross stomps. All right, and I could just that song every time. No, I know. Uh, okay, know. confessional moment. Uh, I one time listened to that song before going in and doing an escape room to hype myself up.
0: I am so glad you brought up escape rooms. We're going to yeah.
2: talk about that in just a second. Okay, yeah. do you have any more, Amy?
1: Two more. Okay, favorite superhero.
2: I think I'm gonna have to say uh, Star Lord.
1: Okay, okay. From yeah, Guardians from Guardians of Galaxy. Galaxy. Okay, okay, His humor, I, I... I love. I love how He's lighthearted funny. he is about everything. That was good. Okay, never taken too seriously. And favorite holiday or season?
2: Uh, gosh, Christmas. I, I just think I love. I just love what all that season yeah, is. I agree. You know, and but I will say, whether this is a hot take or not, the music cannot start until the day after Thanksgiving. Thank I'm you. I'm kind of for that, though. Thank you, Phil Rich. I like Rich. to make
1: it special and not yeah. uh, push it. Anybody can
2: dispute me on that, but I will always stand by that. That's good. They'll be wrong.
0: but They, they can, will be. Yeah, they can dispute you. Okay, thank you so much for participating in Favorite Things. Like, Man, of all of the people that we have had on this podcast, I wanted to do that segment with you because there are so many nuances and layers to Phil Rich and so many things <laughs> that on the surface, if someone walks up and has a conversation with you – they wouldn't see the things that you're so super passionate (laughs) about. And I love it. Like Survivor. Oh my gosh. You are a huge, like not just, Oh yeah. I like watching Survivor and we recorded every Wednesday. No, you're like all about Survivor. I think it's amazing. You're all about like puzzles and like, things that make your mind really like have to process and unpack. And then you just mentioned escape rooms. I'm going to tell a a quick little story just because I think it's funny. So you and I traveled with another one of our friends, Jacob to Atlanta uh, like a year and a half ago and, we took a flight from College Station to Houston on our way to Atlanta, and we literally talked the entire – this was 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> we talked the entire flight, which is about 45, 50 minutes. But really from the time we sat down until we stood up, we talked about escape rooms the entire time. Yep. We actually did an escape room while we were in Atlanta, but I remember we were we landed in Houston, and there was a couple sitting in front of you and Jacob that yep. slept the entire flight, and there was mm-hmm. a woman sitting behind me across the aisle and we stand up and she was like, hey, where are y'all headed? And we're like, oh, we're headed to Atlanta. And she was like, thank God. And we looked at her and we're like, what? <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm headed to New Jersey and I was just hoping y'all weren't going to be on my flight because I really wanted to get some sleep. <laughs> and we were just like really excited oh, talking yeah. about yeah. escape rooms. And it's true. So if you see Phil on the street it doesn't matter what the subject is if you will engage in conversation you just love you love people you love life and you're just passionate about so many different things which i think is yeah. is really awesome and you just give it your all thanks yeah so i just wanted to share that yeah. <laughs> i i think that this is so cool and and the reason that we continue to do this podcast and and phil thank you so much for joining us on this podcast is everybody has a story that's worth sharing and we discount that so often. We 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 diminish the value of what we're walking through or the the relationships that we have. And as you listen to Phil's story, there were so many like singular conversations or passing moments with people that had such an impact on who you are and how you got here. And if you remove any one of those things, it would have dramatically affected your story. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't have still ended up where God wanted you to be, but we can have such a huge impact and play such a pivotal role in other people's stories simply by us being willing to engage in those conversations.
2: Yeah.
0: Which I think is just so, so cool. So thank you very much, Phil, for being here and sharing a part of your story. And I think this could be a three part episode and (laughs) we could unpack so many other things and, and like, you have so many stories about adoption. So y'all have adopted two of your kids and, yep. and camp life and discipleship with students. There are so many other things and, and maybe we will, maybe we'll bring you back on the <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast <laughs> yeah. at a later date to talk about those other things. But I just think it's so beautiful to see what God has done in, in the role you play in so many other people's lives. So thank you very much. Yeah,
2: And I just want to say, I love, I love that y'all are doing this because um, I have always told people and always believed that we should be fascinated by people. Um, and by and be fascinated by their stories. Yeah. And so um, I love that this is a platform where people are getting to share their stories and and you get to hear them. But it reveals maybe things about your own story yeah. that are just as worthy.
1: Yeah. So true.
0: Absolutely. Well, that that's another episode, Emmy. We <laughs> made it. We did it. Yeah. We, we go team. We officially are. 10 episodes in to this podcast, and it has been such an incredible journey. We're excited about the stories that are, are yet to come. So if you're brand new to this journey with us, please hit subscribe. We want you to keep walking, keep hearing these stories, keep being encouraged and inspired to share your story with the people around you. Amy, thanks for being a phenomenal co-host yet again.
1: I try my best, you know.
0: And Phil, thank you <laughs> so much for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely. And listener, thank you for sticking around and if you're hearing this we love you and if you're not hearing this we still love you you just don't know it so we will see you next time on the story worth sharing podcast